Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. All right, welcome to our program, ladies and gentlemen. Normally, we have a Sens game. We play a little audio there, but, uh, well, the Sens have started their season with the first game of the rookie tournament, and there was no play-by-play. So I can't help you there, but uh, we are off and running with another edition of the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. Coming up today, we will talk a little bit about the NHL or the Sens rookie tournament and camp so far. We'll get into some new bodies in that uh, the Sens have brought back Derek Brassard guy who was part of that 2017 run to the Eastern Final. They also signed a professional tryout, Michael Dalcole, a former fifth overall draft pick, and Tyler Mott, who played 15 games for the New York Rangers in their playoff run last year. So we'll get into that. So we'll talk about Blake Wheeler being tri- stripped of the captaincy in Winnipeg and much, much more here on the program. It's Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. How are things, Greg? Great, Steve. It, there was hockey kind of sort of on TV today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It was a little slow out of the gate. The Sens on their website picked up the Buffalo Sabres streaming that was going on on their site as uh, the NHL Prospects Challenge in Buffalo got underway. And the Sens got it going with a 5-4 loss to the Boston Bruins. And it, it really is hard to get into. You mean, somebody on Twitter, because I was tweeting out some thoughts about the game, he said, Steve, what's the score? I'm like, really? Anybody cares about the actual score of this thing? <laughs> I'm only interested in seeing on, on how guys like Pinto and Sanderson and Boucher, guys like that are making out. But all in all, it still was cool to see the Ottawa Senators back playing some hockey, even though it's the most meaningless variety. And you can't tell who's who. I, I was scrambling trying to find a roster somewhere online with numbers on it. And then every once in a while, you get enough of a close-up to kind of get stuff. I'm scribbling notes as to who's who. But, uh, no, it was fun to see. And and you mentioned Pinto and Sanderson and Boucher. Pinto and Sanderson were the two best senators on the ice, I thought, by far. Uh, Boucher with a really nice one tee on the power play. That was a nice goal, wasn't it, Steve? And I'm thinking, okay, yeah. they, they they look okay out here. It looks all right. And then and then they can't score a power play goal with with four minutes left, and the guy comes out of the box and bang scores, and Boston lose or Boston wins five four. Eh, the score doesn't matter. It so doesn't matter for sure. It was just a matter of checking up, going down to check on the kids, as they say. Mad Sogard, I thought, did not have a particularly good game for a guy that is seven foot eight. <laughs> there was a lot of uh, a lot of net to shoot out. It seemed to me seemed like he was really back in his net a little bit. But uh, hey, everybody's rusty at this time of year. I'm not going to bury anybody for anything. What I will do is send out some accolades uh, to the two guys you mentioned, Shane Pinto and Jake Sanderson. Pinto has a couple of goals on the afternoon. Took him five minutes to get the first one. We fully expected, and he should at this stage, that he would dominate because. Well, most of the guys that he's playing against are trying to get to the NHL. This guy is not only an NHLer uh, for this season, he was an NHLer for last season as well. So no real surprise that Shane Pinto and Jake Sanderson came out and looked every bit as good as advertised. For sure. At um, Boston, really, no-name lineup. I, I didn't recognize much beyond you know the recent high draft picks, but... Um... But yeah, we we expect those two to be the best guys for Ottawa, no matter who they're playing against in this tournament. And as advertised, there they were. Sanderson looked really good, smooth, handles the puck well, moves the puck well. Uh, Pinto's just the best by far. Like watching him work down low. Like you watch a game like this, you're you're not judging the team. 
you, you are evaluating individuals because let's face it, they've never played with each other. Uh, as far as systems goes, they've only been on the ice for like one or two sessions. So there's, there's not going to be a lot going on that way for cohesive unit play. So really you're just watching individuals and watching habits and are they on the right side of the puck? Do they close checks? Do they go to the right lanes? Do they pick up the right guy? Do they do the right play on offense? All that sort of stuff. And, and Pinto is just head and shoulders above everyone else in all of those, the little areas doing the little things right that make him stand out to be the best player on the ice. I think some hearts sank across Ottawa when they saw Shane Pinto in a heap. I I looked away from the TV briefly, and so I wasn't sure what had caused it. I assumed it was some kind of collision because, like you say, he's down, and I'm like, no, not again. He's hurt already. And it turned out, um, having seen it later, they didn't have actual instant replay uh, just because it was just basically streaming. Somebody with an iPhone probably in Buffalo but uh, <laughs> after the fact, it probably was something better than that. But uh, after the fact, people were putting it up on Twitter and you could see clearly that some hammerhead from the Bruins at his own blue line decided he would just rifle the puck um, and it hits Shane Pinto right in, I guess, in the uh, collarbone area. So he was down with that. And so hearing that was a big relief because that's the last thing you'd want for a guy to have another upper body injury after missing the entire season last year. But on Jake Sanderson, if I'm to pick of the two that I'm more excited about right now, I think going into the game, I might've said Pinto. Like Sanderson surpassed him. He had a, he had a tough start on the first Boston goal, I thought. If yeah. you're able to see the highlights on that, it was a shorthanded rush by the Bruins and Sanderson's puck poise almost worked against him there. The, basically, he was able to break the rush up and the puck was still there and he's still trying to make a play though, even though the puck's in front of the, in front of the Ottawa net and was just a little bit, too refined and it ended right right on a Bruin uh, I don't know who scored the goal exactly it was grainy and everything but uh yeah he should have just whacked that puck away sometimes you got to cut bait and whack that puck away but beyond that I mean there's that old adage of that guy can stick handle in a phone booth whatever an opponent gives him defensively like he just basically takes the puck and goes there just amazing when he's got his back to the play and he's he's just so slithery. I was joking around that Jake the Snake would be a good name for this guy. Um, I think his puck skill might surpass that of Thomas Shabbat at some point. It's a big step now from where we saw today, this afternoon in Buffalo, from where he'll be in the NHL. But I don't know if I've ever been as impressed with an Ottawa Senator defenseman since Eric Carlson in his prime in terms of his puck poise and skill. Yeah, and it's the fact that he can do it at game pace. Right. Like that's that's what separates a dangler from a really good dangler, a guy that can do things at pace. Right. And and as you said, maybe a bit of a rough start. But the the key is that what what makes you feel best about it is, okay, yeah, maybe he can step right in and be in the top four. I mean, I've maintained all along that it's going to be no problem for him. But there there are others out there. And let's face it, he hasn't played a game. So he's got to prove to people that he can play in that role. Everybody's just sort of anointed him as basically being the number three defenseman on the team, I guess. So you get to see him play today and you see, okay, yeah, yeah, I feel good about that. Yeah, he can play there. We've been bullish on Angus Cruikshank. He's another guy who missed all of last season with an injury. And had he played last year in Belleville, I fully believe he'd be knocking hard on the door for an NHL job right now. But I still think he is one of those dark horse guys. And watching him out there today against his so-called peers, I thought he was a cut above what we are seeing out there, doing exactly the kind of things that we expect. Just buzzsaw, never stop, created some offense for himself. 
Um, he's this club's Rudy for me right now, and we'll <laughs> see. Uh, it's probably going to start in Belleville, but uh, if you need an energy guy, the ilk of Parker Kelly, um, Angus Crookshank can do a pretty good Parker Kelly impression at this stage in his career. Yeah, I just I just want to see the guy get to play. Like, uh, it, mm-hmm. it was really too bad that he, he he got hurt so early in the process last year that he never even got to play a game. I, I just I just I'd like to see the kid get a chance to play and play a full season, uh, as you say, most likely in Belleville and probably in Belleville for the whole year. Um, but to get a chance to play and show what he can do and be consistent, and then come knocking on the door. Like, imagine a, a line someday of Ridley Gregg with Parker Kelly and. And Angus Crookshank, that you know, down down on your your bottom and your bottom six, having those three out the ice, that's that's a that's a pretty good pretty good t- trio to see out on the ice. So the Sens still have a couple of games left here. They they're calling it like a rookie tournament. It's not really a tournament at all. Uh, the official name is the Prospects Challenge. There are six teams in it: Boston, Montreal, New Jersey, the Senators, Penguins, and the host Buffalo Sabers. But each team's only playing three games, and then it's over. There's not like it's a flow chart that's uh, leading to a big final or anything like that. So the Sens get Boston right out of the gate. Boston wins that one 5-4. to four. And then it'll be Montreal and Buffalo. The Sens will get Montreal on Saturday. Oh, wait, let me get that right. No, it's, they get Montreal on Sunday. That's a noon start. You can see it at Sabres.com. And then they finish up on Monday, taking on the host Sabres at 1.30, again, at Sabres.com. So there's your rookie tournament and camp update. <laughs> Working on Schalber, got it back, scores! Big shot from Broussard, bang! Here's a goal from Derek Broussard, courtesy of Sportsnet from about five years ago. Most people were thinking if the Sens are doing anything right about now, it would be maybe bringing in help on the blue line. Because even with Jake Sanderson playing well and looking like a guy who's going to be able to contribute in the top four, uh, they're still needing another top four in there. I think everybody agrees on that. So what do the Sens do? They go out and get three forwards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, So they go out and get former Ottawa Senator Derek Broussard. They bring in uh, him on a professional tryout along with Michael Dalcole, as I mentioned off the top. Very early draft pick from 2014. I think he was fifth overall. And they also get Tyler Mott. They actually sign him to a one-year deal worth, I think it was $1.3 million. So let's begin with Derek Broussard and what you think the incentive, the motivation was for bringing a guy like Broussard in. Well, he, he's a known commodity. Uh, he, he, there's some leadership. There's some veteran savvy there. He's a guy that can uh, that plays center ice. So if you have, you know, there might be a problem here depth-wise down the middle if, if Pinto doesn't turn out to be uh, what what we think he's going to be there, there there is a possibility of a need for a center iceman um he, he, to me the biggest thing is he's known we the senators know him they like him and uh you know maybe he's got some gas left in the tank maybe he doesn't there's only one way to find out get him into camp and have him have him on the ice everybody's essentially it's a free look so it's it's not really hurting anybody to bring the guy in here uh, i he, it's a, you know what he might be able to do something you never know I think he's been sunsetting since about the time the Sens acquired him the first time. He had a couple of, uh, I understand why Pierre Dorian had some excitement for him. He was known as big game brass. He was a Gatineau guy. The Sens always have a soft spot for the local guys. But, and he had a, he had a couple of great years with the Rangers in the, in the two or three years previous to the trade. So I understand why they were excited about him, but really they got 
They got him at the exact wrong time. He uh, he had a pretty. I mean, he hasn't had, since that trade. He has not had a forty point season in the NHL. He did have some big moments in that twenty seventeen run to the Eastern Final. So I think the Sens uh, loved him for that. And maybe that's you know sometimes favors are given to these guys. I think about potentially this being partially to push guys to create competition at camp. But I think there might also be a favorite play. And there might also be, like you said, an honest uh, opportunity for the guy. I, I don't see the opportunity there. I just think there's. I'd rather turn to Ridley Gregg than, than, uh, than go with a guy like Derek Broussard at this point in his career. Hmm. But there might be a favor there. I mean, that's, that happens sometimes right now. Favors for guys who've uh, sure. served an organization well in the past. But Pierre made it clear. He said, we're not doing any favors for any agents out there. If we're bringing a guy in on a PTO, it's because we think he can possibly make our team and help us. So that that remains to be seen. Um, I, I'm more interested in, in well, it, a couple things. Number one, they didn't sign him. Okay, It's not like Derek Stepan. It's not like, uh, God, I can't even remember the long list of guys this team has brought in over the last couple of years that, that flopped and f- whatever. We don't need to get into that. Cedric okay. Potcat, you know, you know who all those players are. He's yeah. not signed. It, it's a free look. But the one that's really interesting is is Mott. Like, wow, that that sends a huge message, not only to the fan base, but to a certain player who's doesn't have a contract right now. And essentially, this guy coming in is can easily slide right in there on the wing on your third line. To me, it looks that way anyway. And kill penalties. Uh, he's been around the league. He's not too old. He's he's had some good playoff experience. He's contributed wherever he's been in one way or another. Usually more of a bottom six guy, but can certainly step right in here and 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 play in your in your third or fourth line. Certainly, and the guy you're referring to is Alex Formanton and the uncertainty swirling around him. He can do a pretty good Alex Formanton impression. Tyler Mott, I'm talking about, like I say, 15 games of the New York Rangers in the playoffs last year. That's a guy that's um, that's contributing right now, as opposed to Del Cole and uh, Derek Broussard. I'm just, I'm not sold on those guys at this stage. But uh-huh. Del Cole can do a lot of the things that Formanton can. Uh, he's a buzzsaw defensively, kills penalties. He's just a ferocious forechecker, good speed. So not a bad player at all, and a, and a good plan B behind Alex Formanton. With Formanton, though, you're in a situation where that guy was your fourth leading goal scorer last year. So. Not mm. quite Alex Formanton. And I would agree completely. But you know who does? Alex Debrinkit does, and then some. Claude Giroux does, and then some. I think that the the Formanton goals, if, if you know, Formanton's not going to be here, the Formanton goals are going to come from elsewhere other than Tyler Mott, uh, I, I would say. Like, even, even Joseph's going to score the same. You know, Joseph could just as easily be your your fourth or fifth leading goal scorer. I, I don't even know that Alex Formanton would be the fourth leading goal scorer again with the team, with the new group of guys that are in your top six. I just think it's, it, it just, it's, it sends a loud message and, and people can read into it what they like, but it seems to me that maybe Alex Formanton is not going to be signed anywhere this year, uh, pending what's going on with his, uh, his off ice situation and the investigation, all that sort of stuff. Uh, the senators, they they still maintain his rights. It's not like they're going to lose the guy in any way, shape, or form. So they'll, they'll it'll get worked out in the end. And in the meantime, it's yet another sort of stop gap for the senators. But it's nowhere near the the quality of this stop gap or this placeholder is far superior to a lot of the ones that have been in here in the past. I'm keen to get your take on what your expectations would be for your third line. And talking about this brings that up because you know. Okay, 
So Mott can go in there, and he's not as good offensively as Formanton, but that's okay because the top six are going to do all the scoring. Like, what level of offensive input are you expecting from a third line, particularly when, if everything goes according to Hoyle, you've got a damn good one in Ottawa with Shane Pinto. I think about Pinto, whose offensive potential might be stunted on this team for at least a year or two based on what Ottawa has. But you got Pinto, you got Matthew Joseph, and hopefully Alex Formanton um, gets to be your left winger there. Like, what is your expectation when you're a coach of a team that has three lines that can score. Yeah, it, it, it as you just said, you've sort of laid out the exact situation here. It, it really depends on on the quality of your third line. More so, it depends on the quality of your first and second lines, right? Like in the past, whatever the Senators would have wanted out of their third line was, was a, richly affected by the quality of the two lines playing ahead of them in the lineup. And there were nights when the third line was no better or no worse than the second line with the roster you're putting on the ice. So it comes down to that sort of thing. In this case, with this third line, I think they you, you could conceivably play them against a number one line. And that frees up ice for your one and two to play against weaker lines. Uh, at the worst case scenario, I just want them to come out and be even. Like if you guys can go out, you can chip in with goals here and there. But if you're, if you're just even over the course of the season, then I'm really happy. Uh, I'd, I'd be thrilled to see at the end of the year, that this line goals for goals against over the course of the year at five on five comes out that the three of them are even with everybody, whoever they played against. And I think that would be a goal probably that the DJ's looking at. Don't hurt us. I want to go back to something you had said about Pierre Dorian and how anybody they bring in in a PTO scenario, they're bringing in for, you know, cause they think they have a chance to make the team. And I got, I got to call that one out a little, especially yeah. on the Dal Cole signing because Think about that guy for a second. He was he I think he played one game in the NHL the entire year in the AHL beyond that. So you could talk me into it maybe that uh, there's a guy that uh he's just here just, you know, fill out a spot in Belleville. He's not even much of a an AHL score. I think he was like a point every two games in the AHL. Once had a fine pedigree, fifth overall, I think, in twenty fourteen as the NHL draft goes. But when you look at this guy, he was the best scorer for DJ Smith for the Oshawa Generals the year they won the Memorial Cup. So yeah. as with Josh Brown, who was his captain on that team, he got a long, long swath. He got a lot of rope here in Ottawa when Sens fans were shouting, okay, enough with the Josh Brown experiment already. And now, now that his captain's gone, now it's his top scorer from the Memorial Cup. You're not going to convince me that there's not some sort of connective tissue to that deal there's no question in my mind that michael dal cole is on a pto because he played for dj smith and jr i'm sorry and and i wasn't saying that that what pierre said was true i'm just saying that right. that's what he said yeah I, I, well, for, for public be, consumption it's, right it's it's not beyond the realm of possibility though that michael dal cole has been brought here to play in belleville like, okay, we're going to give you a shot here. You're going to come to camp. If we end up signing you, it's probably going to be to an American League contract, maybe a two-way deal. I, I Probably a two-way deal, right? Let's face facts. But uh, at a considerably uh, cheap price, like, you know, 750 to play in the NHL and 100 or whatever to play in the A, um, that's probably what his best case outcome is for Michael Dow Cole. I think Broussard's probably got a better opportunity making this team than Michael Dow Cole does. 
We'll take a time out of the program. Uh, once again, the Sens lose today 5-4. to four. I hope they get this ship turned around soon, or we're going to have to go into another <laughs> rebuild. I know. <laughs> so uh, that's what happened this afternoon. Uh, we'll have more coming up here on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast after these words. If you're in the market for a pre-owned vehicle, you want to make sure it's reliable, not breaking down all the time, well then check out Jim K. Ford, your Ottawa-certified pre-owned Ford dealer. At Jim K., they stand behind all the vehicles they sell. How about a 12-month, 20,000-kilometer limited warranty on your vehicle? A history report of the vehicle, low purchase financing rates, 24-hour roadside assistance, and more. That is the peace of mind every buyer is looking for, and Jim K. Ford delivers all of it. JimK4.com, they're at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. Did you know Ottawa's very own Dunrobin Distilleries has been winning prestigious awards internationally for their spirits? It's true. Their gins just won gold and silver earlier this year out of the UK, and their whiskey came in second place as the best Canadian whiskey in the country. Pick up some Dunrobin spirits today at various LCBO locations across the province or buy directly from their website at dunrobindistilleries.com. All right, welcome back to the show. That music can only mean one thing. It's time for some trivia. Huh? Hmm? Huh? We, uh, we researched this. I, like, I found it five seconds ago that Greg's got trivia for us, so I'm keen to hear. <laughs> what do you got for us today in the old uh, well, trivia front? <laughs> sorry, not, not exactly sense-trick, sense-trick, whatever. It's not Sen- Ottawa Senator necessarily, yes. <laughs> I want to say centrinic. What's the word I'm saying? You know the word I'm trying to say. Sen-centric? Yeah, that's it. It's not exactly sen-centric. But here's, here's your first question, Steve. I need you to tell me, do you know who Nelson Nogear is and what his claim to fame is? Nelson Nogear. N-O-G-I-E-R. It might be Nogear. N-O-G-I-E-R. He just signed uh, a free agent uh, walk-on contract in the KHL this past week as an unrestricted free agent. You know what his claim to fame is? No idea. After, After... 12,453 days since August the 9th of 1988, Nelson Nogier is the final piece and finally the end. The Gretzky deal. He is the final piece of the Wayne Gretzky trade tree. It is finally be closed now. Okay, but he could come back. Well, I guess Edmonton could trade his rights to somebody because that's the actually, yeah, I guess so. Or sorry, no, L.A. I think he was a part of L.A. I don't know who. I don't even know who he was with. <laughs> no, he was with the Kings. So he was the last piece. Uh, he was still with the Kings. And he could, could I guess, come back to L.A.? Who knows? But otherwise, All right, so- if, if, if he doesn't, he's Canadian, by the way. So if he does not sign anywhere else in the NHL and he is officially done, he is the final piece of the Wayne Gretzky trade tree. When you said Nelson no gear, I was like, is this Shoeless Joe stuff? Like, like is this, he showed up to a game, he had no gear? I don't know. Um, so that's, that's good trivia. I like that. We peaked yeah. people to uh, Sens trivia, so I'll give people one off the top of my head. Here's All your right. Sens trivia question. It's kind of along the same lines in that it's the last guy remaining um, sort of a question. So think about the Ottawa Senators expansion year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that roster. There were, who was the final guy to stop playing wow. in the NHL? The last guy to play an NHL game from that roster. He hung around wow. for a long time. 
I believe his last game came with the Tampa Bay Lightning. If that helps anybody, and it probably so it's somebody, does. It's somebody who would have been a kid in the first season of the Senators. That is correct. Who yeah, he would have been. Up, yeah, who? Uh, he would have been twenty-three years old with uh, the expansion Ottawa Senators. Oh. He, he had played for the Flyers before that, just three games. Um, and yeah, he got all the way to the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. But he only played five yeah, yeah. games for them, so he did not get his name on the cup that year. Uh, defenseman. Correct. Oh, oh, oh that narrows can't. it down. No, no, I know it. I know it. I just I'm drawing a blank on him. I can because I can't get Paul Ranger out of my head, and I know it's not him. No. Oh, what is the guy's name? It would be. Let's get ready to rumble. Uh, Darren, Darren Rumble. rumble. Darren Rumble. Yep. Jesus, that's him. Yeah. Yep. A couple of uh, other sends notes, uh, very, very small notes along the way. Zach Sinitian, who was here for, I think, two games last year, signed in the middle of the year, or acquired in the middle of the year, I should say. He has signed on with the New Jersey Devils on a professional tryout. Um, good local guy. Uh, you coached him at one point in his minor hockey career, right? I did, two years. Yep, good kid. Yeah, yeah. I just, he, I, I would have thought he would have gone to Europe by now. You know, maybe it's still going to happen. Maybe he's going to eventually end up in Europe, but... Uh, it's a it's a PTO. It's an opportunity for him to play. He settled here. He's bought a place in in Barhaven, uh, where he's where he grew up, and and uh, he's still gonna take one more kick at the can with New Jersey. The Sens once had a player by the name of Andrew Sturtz, who was a, a bonkers scorer in the CCHL. I want to say I don't know seven years ago, something like that. He went to Penn State, set all the records there, and actually for a while there, when the Sens cupboard prospect cupboard was fairly bare. He was prominently profiled every once in a while, you know, at the NHL draft. Here's what the Sens mm-hmm. have in their prospect cupboard, that kind of thing. And he'd regularly appear there and he just, you know, never really got much of a chance. Uh, played in Belleville, was injury prone, and uh, now he's uh, signed on with Orlando in the East Coast Hockey League where he's going to play for Matt Karkner. So that's another Sens name from the past. To close it out, though, a couple of things. What do you think of the Montreal Canadiens? I know the whole league is going to be doing this. But on the right shoulder of the jerseys on the front, everybody in the NHL is going to wear an advertising patch. It's, I mean, I noticed it earlier in the summer when Johnny Gaudreau signed on with Columbus to see the, like, wow, look at the, I don't know what the patch was exactly. I don't know, it might have been Doritos for all I know. I don't know. But that was Columbus, who cares? But on the the jersey of the Montreal Canadiens, I don't know. It just looks so stark and out of place. What did you think of that? when the Habs put on the RBC patch this week to announce their captains. Yeah, that I, I thought the exact same thing, Steve. There are certain things where, yeah, okay, that's acceptable. Uh, but when it's the Montreal Canadiens, the, the blue, blanc et rouge, you know, it just doesn't look right, <laughs> especially when it's blue and gold. You know, the logo doesn't even really match the jersey, but I guess yeah. that's part of it. It helps it stand out. But it's coming. They're, they're, they've been coming out one, one or two a day lately for the last couple of days with teams showing off their new thing. Uh, I've heard a lot of fans uh, have fans saying, I don't want that on my Jersey. I, does that mean that if you go to the store and buy one, it comes with it. I get, if you want to buy an official game Jersey and uh, you're paying for it, you're going to get that on it. I know that uh, Emirates doesn't do too bad. What soccer team that, that is it, is it Liverpool or man U or somebody's actual soccer Jersey over there? doesn't even have their team name on it. It just says Emirates on the cover, right? Who's that? I think most of, I think most of the, uh, English yeah. Premier League teams have an ad on the front that's, uh, and then meanwhile they have their 
club team, if you're to picture the RBC logo that's on the Canadians jersey now yeah. and the size of it, well, the actual club logo is that size on the shoulder on a lot of English Premier League jerseys. Yeah. So, I mean, it's coming. It's it's a revenue stream. Look at it this way, folks. If you're really ticked off about it, then call up the Sens and say, listen, I'll pay an extra five bucks a night for my ticket instead. How's that? Can we do that? Yeah. You want to do that? Go right ahead. It's a bit weird, but you'll get used to it. I think it'll be a case, too, of uh, right now it looks intrusive, but using the Habs example once again, in if the RBC logo maintains itself for a decade, then Hab fans will want that RBC logo to be on their customized jersey because it's it'll it'll eventually work its way into the whole look of things. But uh, it's for the time yeah. being, it's it's odd. And speaking of captaincies, by the way, because we did talk about uh, Nick Suzuki and uh, a bit of controversy there that uh, Brendan Gallagher didn't get that uh, that that captaincy, but. Uh, going the other direction in Winnipeg, Blake Wheeler's been the captain of the Jets for several seasons, and today they stripped him of the C. I thought that was a very odd choice. Darren Drager tweeted out, hey, hey, this is not an indictment of Blake Wheeler. This is a case of they really want to expand the leadership base on this team and not have it all fall to the shoulders of Blake Wheeler. To me, I don't know. I, I don't think you need to strip the guy of the captaincy to expand your leadership. Uh, I think if, if if new head coach Rick Bonus has an issue with Blake Wheeler, I think your play there is to trade the guy. It's not strip the C and then hope he go, he'll go for a wall, go through a wall for you this season. I found it all bizarre. What did you think? Yeah, I, I'm right with you, Steve. I just, I can't help thinking that, uh, that Bonus has come to town. He's done interviews. He's talked to all the players. He's he's talked with management, and and this is some sort of a decision that they've come to. That this is something that needed to be done to help in the room, to help off ice in some way, shape, or form. There's obviously some sort of a problem. To what degree it is, or how big a problem it is, who knows? But there has to have been a problem. You don't just do this and come up with this, or are going to expand the leadership group. Yeah, okay, so does that mean he's still going to wear an A? Or does that mean you take the A completely, give give A's to new guys and a new C, and, uh, like, there's something wrong there. Keep paying yeah. attention to that one. Yeah. Uh, I wonder, you know, he's got a five-team no-trade list, so I don't know if that plays in or not, but it almost seems like, you know, maybe, maybe there's the thought that uh, they want to move him, and 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 maybe one of those five teams or where they want to move this guy. I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of grasping at straws. It just seems to me to be a, a bizarre way to go about it, particularly when you've just arrived in town. Uh, the, Rick Bonus must have really picked up on something in his early conversations with players and coaches on that team that uh, he felt he had to do something rash. But to me, you know, just stripping the guy of the sea that if, if I think if you've identified there's a leadership issue and Blake Wheeler is one of the ringleaders of it, to me, it's a no-brainer that you try and get that guy out of town by way of trade, and maybe that's their long-range goal. But to me, once you've stripped a guy of his captaincy, you've also put a red flag on him. Now you're going to make him harder to trade. But the rumor is, though, that that it was the three of them were up for grabs all summer long. Uh, Winnipeg was talking to people about trading any one of of Wheeler or Dubois or um, uh, who's the other one? <laughs> God, now I'm drawing a blank. Shifley. Shifley, yeah. I mean, the three of them were were talked about all summer long, and it wasn't exactly a great final press conference, if you recall, at the end of the year with Wheeler. 
saying, yeah, yeah, you know, I, 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 I've got to go home and think about some things, but I think I'll probably be back. You know, it was, sounded like he, the way he was talking in his in his end of season garbage bag dressing room clean out day press conference, he sounded like it was his choice. He could leave if he wanted to. He was a free agent or something. So there's there's obviously something there. There's some, The relationship is no, nowhere near as, as strong or as good as it once was. And uh, yeah, the possibility that he gets traded is certainly on the table. All right, that'll do it for this week's uh, Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate you being with us today. Thank you to all our good listeners on CJRO in the east end of Ottawa. We appreciate you being with us on, uh, well, listening in on uh, the radio Mondays, Thursdays, Saturdays at 2.30 p.m. And uh, we'll take our leave. Don't forget our website is SendsNationHockey.com. All kinds of uh, new writers coming up. We've uh, brought on a bunch of new writers for a brand new season, which started in, well, sort of started today with the first rookie (laughs) game, but uh, there'll be lots to talk about over the coming season. So many storylines, so many new players, so much excitement. So uh, check it all out at SendsNationHockey.com. Have a great, uh, have a great day, Greg, and we'll talk to you next time. For sure, Steve. See you. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SendsNationHockey.com. Thank you.